Welcome to the B-Side Podcast, dedicated to sharing flip side stories in country music, concerts, and travel. Your hosts, Stacy and Andy Best, take you behind the scenes to meet the amazing team that supports your current favorite country artists and introduce you to new up-and-coming artists. You'll meet a cast of incredible friends Stacy and Andy have encountered during their adventures following the music, and you'll be entertained with their extraordinary backstories. We're glad you're here and hope you enjoy this episode of the B-Side Podcast. Welcome to the B-Side Podcast. Today, we're talking to Joel Gibson Jr. He is one amazing independent country and rock artist, and he is representing the Pacific Northwest. Thank you so much for joining us, Joel. We're so excited to kind of dig in to learn a little bit more about your career and, and more about you and where you're headed. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this for a while now, so it's I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, good seeing you. Thanks for uh, popping on. Yes, sir. Good to see you guys, too. No, usually we start off with, you know, basically when we get on the calls, where are you from? Obviously, yep. you're unique to us in a sense that, as you know, because we met you beforehand, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but we're big country music fans. We go to Nashville all the time, and we've had other artists, artists really from the South. And we actually had an artist from the Northeast before, but we never really ventured out into Pacific Northwest. So why don't you let us know, where do you actually live? I know it's the state of Washington and I know Seattle, but can you give yeah. us a sense of where you live in Washington? Yeah. So we're a, a ferry ride from Seattle on the West side of the Puget Sound. So a city called or a town called Silverdale. Um, so it's, People think of Bremerton because there's a Bremerton Seattle ferry and stuff like that, but we're up north of Bremerton. So that's where we currently live. So uh, the company I work for actually is based out of Seattle, a little bit north of Seattle. So I have spent a little bit of time there, beautiful area. And I yeah. know you mentioned in one of your songs that it rains all the time, or we complain if we're not from the <laughs> Pacific Northwest that it rains all the time. So yeah. I, I, I can feel you, uh, but beautiful area, great mountains. Uh, beautiful people. And it's interesting because I bring that up that we go to Nashville all the time. Uh, we've had this conversation before. The popularity of, and not to category, categorize you as country per se. I know in your bio, it's more rock country, but, uh, and I don't want to put you in that hole, but in general with that category, uh, maybe some people think it's maybe a Southern thing, but really country is all over the country. Can you tell me how you got into music in a sense and how you got into the, really the rock country sort of spot? And I did read, which was very interesting as well. And I don't know how this happens for a guy that comes from the Pacific Northwest, grew up there, but vacations in the Outer Banks on the totally opposite <laughs> end of the country. So I did read that. So would you please yeah. elaborate? Yeah. So I was born, I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, both my parents were serving the army. And they met up in Alaska. And ironically, my mom and my dad, both their side of the family is both from North Carolina. So it was just a kind of a small world kind of thing. But they split up when I was young and I spent my summers in North Carolina in the Outer Banks with my mom and that side of the family. And then I'd come back here for the rest of the year. So that influence on the Southern slash North Carolina side mixed with my dad's Southern rock. He was into Southern rock and like what I would call traditional country music. So like Merle Haggard, Randy Travis, Alabama, uh, Keith Whitley is another one, still one of my favorites. But um, that's kind of how that kind of thing merged and how I spent time in North Carolina 
and in Washington. It was just really me bouncing back and forth in the mixture of cultures. It's interesting because you mentioned, uh, you know, your dad's influence with with rock, the southern part with country being on the east side of the coast. What did the Pacific Northwest bring? Because I know when I was going through college, it was Pearl Jam, Nirvana, you know, Soundgarden, <laughs> which we'll talk about the studio you recorded your new album in as well. Yeah. But I'm assuming that you pull some of those influences in in your in your uh, growing up. It's impossible not to. We're still, I would say, synonymous with grunge. You know, people think Northwest or Seattle, they it's not like, oh, I know this country guy from Washington State. It's Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, you know, Candlebox, these guys. And I listen to them to this day. So they're a huge influence on me. So that's kind of how the rock just kind of makes it into my country. I, because I have to pigeonhole my category, I have to mix the two because I'm not one or the other. But I definitely bring more of an energy than just your traditional country, for sure. Was country your first love of music? That's what you really want to get into when you first started? Uh, I wouldn't say 100% because, again, it's it was really an eclectic mix. I like I always tell a story about, you know, hearing James Taylor for the first time when I was little. Um, I just remember how it made me feel. I think it was Sweet Baby James or Fire and Rain, one or the other. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing, you know. But then growing up, listening to Randy Travis, uh, he was my first concert I got to go see. It was Randy Travis. Alabama was a headliner. Merle Haggard was the mid card. It was pretty wild. That was a huge influence on me on both sides of the spectrum were those two. And then how did you start playing music after that? <laughs> Secretly. <laughs> uh, like I said, I've only been doing this just under five years as far as getting out and playing gigs. And so I would only really play around my family. And that even started when I was 17 uh, as far as getting my first guitar. And then figuring out a year plus later how to do both at the same time as far as sing and play. Because I had no interest in being a guitar player and I've always enjoyed singing. If I would sing around my family, I was in the kitchen with them in the other room. I wouldn't let them watch me do it. But they always encouraged me to sing. And uh, it took me an extremely long time to get any confidence to go out and play in front of anybody else outside of my family and friends. So tell us a little bit about the first time you actually performed what was that like and and who was it for like a little I'll, more I'll say as far as formal uh it was 2017 uh, I was my wife just it's a really long story I won't draw it out too much but she <laughs> was singing at work uh, a guy overheard her and he said you got a really beautiful voice and she laughed at him and said you know he's got a good voice my my husband does and he's got a couple of videos on YouTube and he got on there and checked it out and just forward from that you know he invited me to come out and play you know share a show with him and say hey come out and sing with us we're playing in my hometown here in Silverdale and I was pretty much hooked from there I was like I think I can do this you know that was my first time playing and it was awesome because Brittany got she rallied the troops <laughs> everyone's like what do you mean Joel's going out and playing somewhere like <laughs> we're there like let's go you know and so it was just packed and it, uh it was definitely they say catching the bug but it was like all right I got a lot to learn, but I think I can, I think it's worth giving it a shot. So there's a lot of parallels with Brittany and you pushing your man <laughs> to do stuff that might be out of your comfort zone. I feel some parallels here, yeah. <laughs> like Come a on. podcast, I'm at a TikTok, like definitely out of the comfort zone. Hey, so I feel you. It's a lot less work hmm? for you than it is for him. Well, because he's good looking and talented and can sing. And <laughs> That's a, this is this also a parallel path for her though. Cause like I said, she does. 90 plus percent of the work you know i just get to go out there and play um we're it's definitely 100 teamwork but 
you know, we spend a lot of time learning uh, market research, we like to call it and try and grow in our brand, you know, off of other things that we enjoy as consumers, because we're also concert goers too. So, you know, what would I like to see? And I try and emulate that when I go out on stage too. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You only really started performing in front of others five years ago. That's not a whole, yeah, that's not, that's not a no. long time at all. <laughs> no. Considering how good you are and how fast it seems like you've come from not, not wanting people to see you play and playing guitar and singing, and then here you are today. You've got, you know, brand new album, obviously in 2021, but you also produce some stuff. It sounds like on YouTube and uh, obviously you had an EP and I think you said 2017. Yeah, uh, brought some yep. stuff out in 2018. Yeah, so 2017 is the first time we put the EP out, and uh, that was just me solo acoustic, and that that was by attrition too. Um, but as far as the push into music, it was 100. You know, my wife Brittany, she went out with her friend one night and just said, you know, she came home and they were feeling good, and she came in the house <laughs> and she's like, yeah, so I'm tired of hearing about because I think I was talking, I think I was, I might have been watching the CMAs. It was like a new song. I had written something and I was watching the CMAs or something like that. And she's like, I don't want to hear about it. Like either go do it or shut up. Like I'm done. She's like, and Rihanna told me the same thing. And I was like, and I was pissed kind of, you know, I was crushed a little bit. I was like, fine, I'll show you, you know, and just by attrition a couple of months later was when that whole thing happened at work and got me out on that first gig. But it had that not happened. I mean, I still might be posting stuff to YouTube every now and then, but you know, the, the, that really kicked me into gear and really started something that's like you said, grown exponentially fast. And that's really why the EP started was people really wanted our original music, which is somewhat unheard of, but they said right out the gate, probably within the first three shows, they're like, do you have any CDs? I was like, I don't even know how to make a CD. Like, <laughs> I make you a mixed cassette tape or something, you know, like <laughs> that's about it. So that's how it all started. <laughs> Well, tell us about, so how did you start writing and, and what was that experience like? And did you just kind of teach yourself? Did it just kind of come out? How did it, you get going? Yeah, I mean, I have no, I can't say I have a set formula. You know, everybody's got a different method to writing or they like to co-write with people, you know, whatever that may be. I've always written whatever comes to mind. Sometimes it's a title. Sometimes it's a, an opening line to a verse or a hook on a chorus. And I kind of build it around that. Um, every now and then I get certain melodies that I kind of drive off. I kind of build off of whatever the melody makes me feel. And I found at least scientifically through me playing these songs for other people, um, I found a kind of a common ground. Like if I'm feeling it, they should in theory feel it. You know, if I'm trying to make a cool song to make a cool song, there's to me, there's no real gravity to it. You know, people connect with it a lot less. I found, but yeah, I just, I go off a of feeling and, emotion you know I'm, I'm emotional on the sense like i do like the sad stuff i steal a line from jamie johnson that you know there's a line in a song called uh that's why i write songs on his album called the guitar song and it's just you have this moment if you ever have a moment where you watch you sing something and you watch a grown man cry you know you know you've done something on some different level you know and as a male artist it's the hardest to win over the male fans for sure so um once i knew i could do that moment I was good, you know. Do you find yourself writing all the time and or jotting down notes when you're driving or Brittany's says a funny line or says something that you're like, 
that could be a song title. Do you find yourself doing that consistently every day? I definitely write down ideas, but I'd say it's a combination of all that. Um, Brittany's really good at giving me one word and expecting me to create magic with it. Um, <laughs> I've, it I feel like I've successfully done that a few times. You know, there's a song, uh, Tire Swing was one. Learn off our last album was one. Uh, Fire off the new album was the same thing. Yeah. Um, we Are was another one that me and her pretty much wrote together. Um, the one thing I don't do a lot is I don't sit down with the intent to write. It's just not, I can't get the creative juice flowing the same way if I go today from two to four, I'm going to write songs. And I know that's kind of the model for the Nashville thing where today we're all getting in a room, we're going to write a hit song. Um, but I don't, I don't work like that currently, not because I wouldn't, but it's, it doesn't, doesn't feel the same to me. And my schedule doesn't allow for me to take a whole day of time. So <laughs> I don't have that luxury yet, I guess. You know, and well, I'm not mad me, about it either. That brings me to my question. Obviously, you started out, you know, five years ago. You're starting to do a lot of things. But I think when we initially met you, you were still, you're full-time working. Are you still doing that? Yeah, I still work full-time. I'm up at 5.30 every day and uh, off around a little bit before 3 and. Um, a lot of times I'm changing in the truck, changing outfits and going to whatever show we're playing or I'm taking the day off to drive down wherever. Yeah. And then get home 11 midnight and then getting up and going back to work. You know, it's it's right. a it's a grind. I would say that's like my <laughs> cliche to one of my songs, but it really is. It's I'm I'm putting the work in. We're both putting the work in and we're kind of a two person team right now uh, with the most incredible fan base behind us, really just pushing us and encouraging us to keep going. So uh, that's what I'm going to do. Well, let's let's talk about your your beautiful wife here. Your what I've been calling your wife a jur. Hi, how are you guys? Oh, hi, great, Hello, great. Brittany. Before we kind of dive into Brittany's uh, big job of, I'm sure, packing outfits for the changes in on the way there and scheduling events and keeping your schedule straight for you, I just wanted. to share with everyone how we met you guys. So we were on a welcome to the sandbar uh, trip to St. John. Uh, what year was that? Like, I, I, I think it was, it was right. It was, it was right was, before COVID started. It was, yeah. it was October 19. Yeah. October of 2019. And so we have some mutual great friends, the Franzins, and they were happened to mention that there's this amazing friend of theirs and he's an artist and maybe we can sweet talk him into playing for us. And it was her 50th <laughs> birthday. And so we thought, hmm, maybe we can make that happen. And so we were excited before we even knew anything about you. And you just totally blew us away when you played your little acoustic birthday party sets for all of us. And uh, we've been big fans ever since and been following you along. Um, and so it's just a pleasure getting to meet you guys and see how you've really grown even through, you know, these tough years, the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything, you've continued to just like, like any other artist I've really seen, just plow through and find innovative ways to just keep going and do some fresh, innovative uh, delivery of music, I guess, so to speak. But yeah, before we get into that, so Brittany, tell us a little bit about your role and maybe some of the daily tasks that that you work on <laughs> uh, as the wifeager uh, for Joel. Oh man, what what do I not do? <laughs> that might be small. No, uh, I I I try and help wherever I can. 
Um, I started helping, I started doing this full time in July of 2019. Um, it was just, it was his dream. It was his passion. And I'm like, well, I like this industry. Let's go for it. I, I'm, I love management and I love all this. So why not give it a shot? So now I, I book shows. I mean, I talk to venues. I'm a, I'm a sound engineer now, believe it or not. So that's kind of fun. So I run all our sound when the band plays and I handle the band. I do the merch. I do the website. I do all the shipping. I mean, I, you name it. I, I do it currently, you know, I have to do everything, but sing. And sometimes, sometimes he'll get me to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think we've heard. Sometimes. Yes. Maybe on the couch concert. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Heard you on the couch concert. No, that's a fantastic job. I can imagine being an independent artist with your wife slash manager. Uh, you you need a you need that connection, right? And you need that confidence and that trust that uh, each person is going to bring what they need to the table to get this thing moving forward. Because that's one thing that we always say when we you know have these discussions with the artists and our admiration for what you all do is that the passion and the the tenacity and the wherewithal that you got to have to, like you said, we call it the grind mm -hmm. and the effort it takes to really try to make it uh, to where you want to go is I love it, which is why we do this podcast and why we love mm -hmm. to go and watch live music and talk to uh, people like yourselves, because I don't know, it's just today's world. You don't see you know, a whole lot of that, right? Somebody following their dream and willing to, to really sacrifice a whole lot because everybody's a, you know, they want stuff now. They want that instant gratification now. And it just seems, I don't know, maybe old school is not, not the word for it, but. Um, that's, that's what I call it. I mean, it's it's the old school way of doing things. You know, I'm going to go out and earn it. I mean, that's kind of, yeah. you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, right? So I was brought up in that old school way of like, you want something, you go earn it. Like, you're not, I'm not in the, you know, swipe up, you know, instant gratification, you know get rich quick, you know, get on American Idol, get your golden ticket and you go out there. And that's why I, don't, I personally feel why they don't really have a lot of sustainability. A lot of times is because they haven't been out there in the trenches and playing those shows where nobody's listening, you know, or like in our case, sometimes you have those moments where it's real popular one night and it's popping. You go to your next show and there's 10 people there and they right. can give a shit less if you're there. So it, <laughs> right. you just don't know, it, you know, it, and that's the thing is, is you just, focus right and no matter how many people are in the crowd you just have yep. to bring it not knowing who may be out there who's that person that might say something to somebody else might have a connection and it's really about and what we've learned with people is how you treat people as well right oh, yeah. um, because you never know when that one person might take you to that to the next level and so kudos to you and i have to say thank you and stacy mentioned this before there's always a good sidekick or the sidekick really in our case is the women that really drives the bus <laughs> and is sort yep. of that creative drive, let's say, and, and Brittany, for you being a manager, you know, the creativeness over the past couple of years, I must say, we see some stuff, obviously the Facebook, what you do, we'll talk about that a little bit. And we see some other artists do the online stuff. And it's like, everybody just totally pivoted, right. Just to make it work. And the creativity level is off the chain, but, You've done even more than that, that I have to say we've never seen in the past two years in our, you know, little venture in this podcast and, and going out uh, and, yeah. and watching yourself uh, on uh, 
you know, online and some other artists do the same thing. But can you talk about how'd you come up with being on a pod tumbo, which I think is awesome. Number one, I'll let, I'll let Brittany fill this one in since it's her, it's her baby really. Yeah, I know. I, I jumped the yeah. gun a little bit. The other one's the tailgate. Yeah. Right. Tailgate tour. Yeah. Is that what you called it? Yep. There's the couch concert, the tailgate yeah. tour, and then there was anchors down. Yeah. All, yeah, all three of them. And I know you yeah. got okay. some more. Can, can you talk about what you all were doing? You're probably drinking beer at your kitchen table going, what? So, how are we going to pull this off? So when COVID happened, everything shut down. Uh, originally, we were like, sweet, we need a break. Two weeks, great. Like, I'll, I'll stay home. Sweats, I love it. And then about two weeks in, it was like, I'm kind of feeling like this isn't going to be two weeks. It's going to be a little bit longer. And so you kind of like go stir crazy and you're like, well, we're, we have this momentum at that moment because we were doing so well up until that moment that we were like, well, we can't lose it now. So we did, I think what everybody else did. And we jumped online and we threw up a video and said, well, I've never done this before, but why not? Let's try it. <clears throat> everybody else is doing it. Let's stay with everybody else and try and make it work. And then we found the way that we were doing ours people really enjoyed it. We were communicating with everybody. People would ask questions. We'd answer them. We'd, you know, call them by name. You know, we've done several where we've given a lot of uh, stuff away. And so people were really like interacted with it, you know? And so we loved it and we were doing it, I think weekly at the time. And then it just became a lot to do it every week. So we're like, all right, let's do it once a month, you know? And so we started doing it once a month. And eventually now that we're back full, you know, full, gigging um we do it once a quarter now which is great because we still get to tune in with everybody but getting back to how we got started with the tailgate tour you could only sing to your phone so much <laughs> and then you're like stir crazy i mean you know people getting you know told that they have to stay home for so long i mean it, it takes a strain on everybody mentally and it just ha so happened to be may which is mental health awareness month and i looked at joel and i said look I need to see people. Like I have to physically go out and see people. We don't have a large family here. So it's just the three of us. And I said, let, let's, let, what can we do? What can we do? So we're just hanging out like everybody else just having, you know, probably eating dinner and drinking a couple beers and just like, what do we do? And uh, I said, what if we just played on your tailgate? Like, what if we just, I had seen this photographer and she was taking, I don't know if you guys saw him, but she was taking photos of people on their porches and they would have like, yeah, like socially distance and, you know, quarantine, they'd bring the toilet paper out and they'd bring all this stuff and they'd make these cute photos. Well, I looked at that and I was like, what if we just brought music to their driveway? Like if she's doing that, we could do this, right? All we need is an extension cord. Why not? Like, would anybody even be interested? So I came up with the tailgate tours, like, why don't we just go on a little mini tour around our town? We kept it just in our county, you know? And so, um, so it was a little bit easier to bop around and we put it up and people were like, yep, we need entertainment. And so we uh, did 16 shows in four days, I think when on one of the tours and it just brought so much joy and like just release. I think our motto was, um, it was new. It was, uh, Music is medicine, music is spiritual, therefore music is essential. And that's what we based it on. So that was our motto going out on the tailgate tour. And then it got warmer and sitting on a tailgate gets hot. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, I, I looked at Joel and I was like, do you think anybody would go if we found somebody with a pontoon boat and went out on the lake? Because 
I mean, at this point we're months in, right? And so you're like, even going outside was like not acceptable, but I'm like, nobody said anything about being on the water. So let's go on the waters. (laughs) So we, uh, we found a friend and um, he let us take over his pontoon boat and we went out there, we bought a cool generator, we threw our speakers up and we invited people to come out and it was an incredible turnout. We, we must've had 100, 100 to 150 boats out there. And, you know, granted, we weren't expecting that. So some people were like, well, came to see Joel, but there's so many boats, I can't get close enough to here. So they just enjoyed in the festivities of being around. We're all signed on a boat. It can't be that bad. Can't be yeah, that bad. right. <laughs> Beer then, boats, country music. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah, we had, a, we had a drone out there. We shot a music video for This Old Town, which we happened to have the first yep. anchors down in um, Old Town Silverdale. So it kind of worked really well with the song. And that just came like the night before, the day before I looked at Joel's like, there might be a lot of people, should we record this? So we brought out the guy to record it and it turned out great. Everybody had a great time. Everybody was respectful. It was, it was phenomenal. And then what, just a few weeks later, we get a call. It's like, Hey, can you do one of those in our, our, (laughs) our area? And so we went out and did it again in Liberty Bay. And that one was great as well. I mean, we brought more speakers so it was a lot louder and everybody could hear that time and it was just it was phenomenal and so it was just kind of this like how do we just like keep growing and not just stay on the live stream and really get out and get connected with everybody and and I gotta tell you it probably it it helped a lot more than we could have ever imagined like it helped way more I mean we connected with people that don't go to bars and don't go to places you know don't go to dance halls and so they would have never heard of him. And now they're like, oh, where are you playing at? I'll go out. I'll have dinner, you know. And so it's great. It's been a great, great way to meet people. And it was a great way going. to stay innovative. Yeah. I mean, we came out of that just full schedule, too. So it, it was it was great. Yeah, I just Shoot. I wouldn't accept that music was shut down. I, I think at the end of the day, it was it was not because it's right or wrong. Really, I'm not judging anybody that did do it. It's just, you know, it's easy to go music shut down and just whenever it opens back up, I'll go back to work kind of, you know, naturally I don't got Tim McGraw money, so I didn't really have that luxury. So, um, <laughs> it's probably a lot of fun for them. Uh, but, uh, yeah. for me, hey, it's like, two, two, I was two like, years off. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. We went to Bali and everything. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not, you know? Yeah. So I, it really helped us exponentially as far as a brand and just really growing our fan base. You know, it's, I would say like, kind of, like you said, it was probably pretty rare that somebody benefited from COVID, but we did. So, you know. yeah. Yeah, kudos, kudos to you. I thought it was brilliant uh, seeing all the creative things you were doing because we haven't really seen anything like that ourselves. Anchors down, there's got to be some merch, right? Have you created yeah. the anchors down merch yet? <laughs> oh yeah, we had some. Yeah, we have some. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a conversation for another day. Okay. Right. We <laughs> love merch. Hey, Listen, we love merch gets right. time. I told him I was like, they got merch hogs, man. I got the, I got the hoodies and Romeos on. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> love the merch well with that too became you know some accolades from uh your area could you talk about that a little bit because it sounds like you want uh the best outdoor concert you want uh yeah uh what's that county i can i pronounce kitsap. It correctly? yeah kitsap award it was pretty wild because again it was covid but i mean I, I joke that like I only won because nobody else could get nominated because the events didn't happen. But <laughs> a win's a win, man. I'm taking it. You know, like I said, I was born and raised here, and I, you know, this, we really truly have a great community. 
in this region, let alone this county, you know, and, and again, a lot of them are country music fans, which is not synonymous with this area period. But I can tell you every time a country concert comes to town, it's it's selling out some, and they could do it two nights in a row, you know, but the best of kits app was huge for us right out the gate because it, it's all community nominated. So it's not something I can nominate myself for. And just to see how fast it grew and like, and then one, and then went into the next category for the best of the best of kits app, you know, and taking the all around thing was huge, you know, get, getting the plaque and stuff. I mean, I was just as good as a platinum album for me. It's hanging up <laughs> yes. in the house. It's, you know, because I grew up here and I watched all these businesses and different things win. And normally it is a business or it's say, a fair yeah. festival yeah. or a restaurant. And he's for, the first artist. I'm just a guy, yeah. you know. So for an individual person to win anything in that award category period is pretty wild. So, you know, I think it goes to the creativity and something you can't underscore and you'll never be able to measure it. But the mental health asset aspect of it, we talk about music, you know, brings people together. But during that yeah. time, you know, you weren't, you know, it's a little different story in the Pacific Northwest and maybe the Northeast. Yeah, it, uh, it really is. We actually had a lot of people reach out to us and tell us how much that helped them through that time. And so that was really important. I mean, even people we never met before coming up onto the boat at Anchors Down, just paddling up and just, you know, thanking us. And you're like, hey, I'm just happy you're out in the sun and we're having a good time, but you know, you're welcome. And so that was a big, that was a big part of it. It was really like people needed it, you know, and I don't think people realized how much they needed it until they got it. And it just gave them this extra sense of hope and joy, like, okay, I can make it through it, you know? So yeah, yeah, it, yeah it is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And that's just strictly that. I mean, all politics aside, right. It's, we do live in a, a divisive time, but music's always been, you know, a place where nobody cares who you voted for, or what your beliefs are or anything. You're there for the music to not think about anything else, but yep. having a good time in the music. And it's, you know, that community of concert goers, you know, and people that just really, you know, live and breathe music, you know, it's, it's a different breed, you know, and what we did, we really base it off stuff like that. Like I need it. Mm -hmm. And yes. I know if I need it, somebody else needs it too. You know, so it wasn't so much about me. It's, I was just the one that went out there and, you know, did my thing. It could have been anybody else. I would say, you know, if they, thought of it first <laughs> yeah no. well and i was going to get to the point uh it, my my next question was uh because of these various areas in the country and i dealt dealt with it uh in my industry right some places were more locked down than others and i i made this comment just the other day i like i feel and it's a colleague in a actually in your neck of the woods matter of yeah. fact i'm like yeah. i feel like the way you're talking, you've lived in a, a totally different world than my experience over the past year and a half and two years because, uh, you know, it was less strict where mm -hmm. we're at yep. and, and further south. And we've been going to concerts since May, since May 21, 21. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, yep. uh, you know, and this person just finally went on a trip, pulled off the mask, you know, I'm like. <laughs> Oh, we've been, we've been doing that for a while now. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, 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 I would, it's not an understatement to say it's probably night and day. I would say our state is probably the most strict, probably in the nation, if not yeah. Washington and Oregon to that matter. So, I mean, we're still not fully led up here in the grand scheme of things like transportation and stuff like that. You're still okay. masking up, but it's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So if your ability to go into a bar and really, uh, you know, book, book events and was, a lot longer than other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. So it goes back yeah. to uh, how awesome I think it is for you to create these 
venues like you have under the under this more strict guidelines than, than other places in the country as an artist. So and I remember, I can't remember what month it was, but when you were doing the couch concerts pretty frequently, pretty early on. I would get so excited. I'm like, yes, okay. Yeah, Joel's doing a couch concert. Something to look forward to. This is amazing. Yes. And then it was so fun because you were funny and interactive in between and you know, you were cheersing everybody and everyone was kind of having a cocktail. And then all of your fans were talking to each other in the chat. That was really cool. And um, you know, we're Eastern time. So I'm like, I'm staying up. It doesn't even matter. There's, I mean, that's, I that's mean, the, where our schedules aren't busy, so we can work it out then. We can, <laughs> that's the beauty good. of that couch concert. I can't say enough about it really. Cause like, there's so many people on there, even now that like literally only know each other through the couch concert. They've never met each other in person. And so even like Arizona, you know, we got people coming down there. There's like, a few I'm, people from yeah. the couch concert that are meeting up for the yeah, for right. Arizona down there. And yeah, so we're like, cool. We're, they're finally <laughs> going to get to see you in person. Yeah. yeah like North Carolina, awesome. they're like, I'm going to go see you. You know, like I've never got to see you in person. So it's, 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 it's a pretty magical thing. And everybody's very positive on that couch concert. Just, you know, some people are at the drive through listening or watching, you know, other people are at home just partying like the Franzens, I'm sure. So it's, yes, you know, yes. <laughs> and, and, or I, Quite a few times I just had it on to hear you, you know, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't like be focused on the chat necessarily, but just to listen yeah. live and know it was live was super exciting. And yeah. quick question around that. Did you find that your social media grew uh, with the couch concerts and some of these? It sounds like obviously you were able to reach more people, of course, yeah. but just curious if that was helpful because you have oh, yeah. to capture them somewhere to let them know where you're going to be, whether you're getting their email or they're, you know, um, signing up on your website or they're following you on YouTube or other areas. I would say it definitely grew for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, you always wanted to grow more and more and more, you know, but if anything, people would look forward to the couch concerts first and foremost, but then, you know, that word of travel and we we're getting more shares on our posts, you know, or like, hey, the big, I think it's a big thing is like, hey, I got friends and family wherever you're playing down there. Or, hey, we're coming to town. We want to come see you. You know, so it grew in that aspect, you know, mm -hmm. and definitely our page likes and it, stuff like that. was Yeah, good, but, it grew a lot. It, yeah. it really did. I was surprised. You know, I was like, you know, if I could get like, you know, 20, 40 likes in a month or, you know, like connect with that many people like that was great. Um, but when when you go from like 1500 to 6000 in a year, you're like, okay, we're doing something. It's going. Yes. All right. You know, and then that has just grown to, you know, every their extended families and everything. So it's really worked great for us, especially, you know, YouTube videos too, you know, that that's, that's been great as well. So we're under the pandemic. You're writing, you decide to go into the recording studio with a new album. So tell me how that worked. It was difficult. I would say we knew we were ready for new music and we knew, well, at least we thought we knew it was coming to an end at that point, but <laughs> you know, thank goodness we did it when we did it, but it was really finding a studio that would let us come in there and record live. Um, there were so many studios that were like, nope, or only, you know, one person at a time, you know, masked and all this, you know, so much restriction. Um, but we eventually found one and it was Robert Lang studios in shoreline, um, which is one of the most renowned studios in this region. Um, and it was really a matter of getting the band over here, rehearsing the originals, 
coming up with the arrangements. Oh yeah, with the band jams too. To yeah, that's something too. That. We, I had trained pretty much a new band minus my bass player the, during the pandemic. And they're like, well, we can't go out and play. I was like, yeah, but we need to be ready to go out and play whenever the switch flips back on. So we put them out on Facebook live to the world, you know, for their audition <laughs> basically a few times, you know, but, you know, part of that band jam and the rehearsals is really coming, honing in the arrangements. So when we went in that studio, we we're maximizing our time there uh, to really lay down those tracks. And we got to record it live basically in a great room, you know, in a vocal booth. And it was awesome, you know, full old school way of recording, like, any Tom Petty or Springsteen album back in the day. So it's something I really wanted to do, but I won't, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to record there. It was a uh, intimidating on some level because, you know, you're walking around there. I got some pretty cool stories. I don't know if you want to get into those, but uh, <laughs> well, a lot let's, of let's back up real quick <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> I, I, I Googled the studio and Paul was telling yeah. me about it when you're in there recording is crazy. I mean, yeah. Dave Matthews was one of my favorite. Foo Fighters, Nirvana, Eddie Vedder, Allison Change. I mean, Change. <laughs> Change. <laughs> I mean, and the list goes on, right? Who was yeah. your favorite that you saw when we recorded there? Who, what kind of sticks out in your mind? Because I know you got some good stories. Oh, definitely the Seattle guys. Dave Matthews is, is huge with me, too. The story is, which you might not read online, that there might not be a downstairs restroom if it wasn't for Dave Matthews. They really? recorded the uh, the Everyday album there. And it's a really, like almost, I don't know if you've been to like a place called McMenamin's, but it's like all these secret rooms. And it's like this house and rooms built on top of each other. And uh, it's definitely not to code <laughs> in some areas, <laughs> but like all the restrooms and everything were upstairs, you know. It was like and, a hike. And Dave Matthews said like, I'll record here, but you're going to put in a restroom downstairs in the in the studio. So I don't got to go up these wonky ass stairs. Uh, so, <laughs> but definitely Dave Matthews. Uh, Peter Frampton was actually there a few weeks before I was there. And uh, another band, you probably remember, uh, Presidents of the United States of America, they're from here too. They sang a song called Lump and Peaches oh, yeah. and stuff back in the 90s. Uh, oh, Heart's yeah. been there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was intimidating. And, you know, the icing on the cake is the guy, our engineer, Jaquel Tristram, who was amazing. Uh, he set up everybody first. And then he waited to come into the vocal booth to set up the mic. And it's, they call it Newman U47. And it's an authentic one, like old, like 1950s mic. And he's like, you know, no pressure. You know, Kirk Cobain cut vocals on this mic right here. Oh. You know, so here I'm in this vocal booth going like, I'm not, I'm not worthy of being in here. <laughs> you know, so I had to get in a different headspace. But, you know, we really absorbed that experience and just really soaked it in. Like, if this is the last one I get to do, I wouldn't want to do it anywhere else or any other way. That is really cool. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because in my brain, uh, Paul was talking about this and I was doing the, the research and how, how many people have been through that studio. Then you look at the pictures, you talk about it, it is a wonky place. I mean, does it have a, did I read it has a basketball court in it? Did I see on that, on that floor plan, there's actually a basketball court in there as well? Yeah, downstairs, he's actually turning that pit into a, a full-scale like orchestra recording room. I mean, this guy is like a mad scientist, like super cool dude. Uh, Robert Lang, that is, you know, so I mean, it's, it's literally, they call it the bat cave. Yeah. yeah. The, the rock work in there is. Yeah. Is, everything's just like literally on top of each other and like, oh, let's build this here. You know, here's, let's put a different mixing room over here with a different board in it. And, uh, and then naturally they got all the plaques on the walls that different artists and bands have sent them when they go gold or platinum. And, you know, thank you, Robert Lang. And it's, it's pretty wild. No pressure to see all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Foo Fighters, you know, they recorded their demo cassette there you know, and to see that and know that is 
pretty intimidating, but super cool at the same time. So I had a data point in my brain because uh, we talked about, you know, this was the only studio that would allow you to come in as a band and record and the nostalgicness of the studio and the people that come through there. And I know as an independent artist, it's, it's out of pocket, right? Like yeah. you are paying some money for the studio time. You're talking about a new band and practicing. I had to imagine Brittany's probably like, you guys got to get this right. Uh, you can't screw this up. We're on the clock. So how much pressure is that? Not only you're in this space, but also from a time perspective, because you got to imagine time's money. That's got to crush your creativity a little bit, right? Like keep on going. Well, I, I'm going to start by just saying that like, I'm really good at micromanaging. <laughs> so That's true. every single one of these guys knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. And I allotted for a lot of extra time for them. So it really wasn't as stressful as like you may think. I, it, I, I had everything lined up. The itinerary, everything was great. Everybody had lunch break. It was, it was fun. Like it, yeah. there wasn't a lot of pressure because the band really had the music once we got to the studio. Mm-hmm. You know, have, having our friends over to work on music, you know, that's just having your friends over. And we were lucky to be able to have them over and willing to come over during that time too. So, so I don't feel like there was a lot of pressure. I think the pressure became the pressure of recording in such crazy studio. I mean, yeah, that was, right. that was yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just so happy that we got that experience. I made the best, we all made the best of it. Right. And everybody just kicked ass and I feel like we put out a good product, you know. Something worked really well because the album is absolutely incredible. Let's talk a little bit about Small Town Truth and maybe share with us uh, maybe some backstories on the couple of the songs or what special projects do you have coming up on any of the songs? Yeah, so most recently we put out a a video for the song on there called Fire. Um, A little bit of backstory now, that was the last one we wrote before we went into the studio. And it really, again, came down to Brittany going like, there's zero love songs on this album. Like it's all, you know, either party or old school country kind of stuff or really rock. She's like, we're not cutting an album without a love song on it. You know, our previous album had fine wine. So, and again, she throws me the one word, you know, fire. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? She's like, you know, like fire, like hot, sexy. And this, that, and I was like, for whatever reason, I've always been a, you know, blues fan for a long time. I'm a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, particularly. I said, I've always wanted to cut a blues track so I could sing more of a bluesy vocal. And I knew the guitar player that I was bringing in there, one of my original guitar players, uh, Greg Warrens, I knew he would just tear the guitar pieces up, especially the solos and stuff. And so that song came together really quickly between me and Brittany. And yeah, probably within the day, if not less than, you know, a handful of hours, really just kind of coming up with the final arrangement. So that's the one we put out a video on YouTube for Fire. Uh, After that, uh, We Are is another one we really like. Uh, We wrote that together. That's a real rockin'. I would say an edgy song, but it's really about unity, diversity, and everybody just being together. Kind of like that age old thing. Like we all have a lot more in common than we'll ever give ourselves credit for. Cause you know, we want to draw the line and pick a side kind of scenario. And the second track on there, yeah. damn sure for me, uh, we're getting ready to film a video for that on uh, May 13th at the garage in Bremerton. Looking forward to that. Cause that's going to be our first, yeah, super fun live audience video and you know not far from our hometown here so um that should be fun i can't wait to put that out this summer so yeah do you have a favorite on the album Joel? you know that's tough man it's it's like you know do you have a favorite kid kid? i get to say yes i do i only have one so my favorite (laughs) kid right but uh (laughs) 
song there's so many because they mean so much different things to me you know what i mean um but definitely connection wise and i'm not saying it just because i'm on here i mean beaches of st john uh track on there is really special to us it literally almost didn't make the album it was the hardest to get the arrangement for the hardest to get the right tempo that we wanted and then getting in the studio it took the absolute longest to get it how we wanted you know to put saxophone on a country rock album was like the biggest curveball but i was like i hear it i know it there's a kenny chesney song called way down here that has always been my favorite kenny chesney song and i love that saxophone outro to that song and i was like i want to do that because he's naturally synonymous with the saint john and the beaches and stuff so um being a fan of his i knew how i wanted it to sound but kind of taking it out of my head and making it sound like that on a recording wasn't easy and so the fact that it did make the cut and the other piece that did make the cut was uh Brittany's like we're done like we got other songs you know that we can put on here like just you know shelve it for now we'll put it out a different time and i was like the couch concert folks will kill us <laughs> if we don't put this song out. She's like, no, they want us. Like, yes, they will. Because every time I've ever pulled it, yeah, I'm here. Every what time song do you want on the it. new album? It was like Beach of St. John, That's Beach of St. John. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, all right, we have to do it. So we made it happen. I was happy that it came out. So I think all that collectively makes it really special to me as far as, you know, my favorite track on that album. And it was spot on to that trip too for us. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was spot on. It's yeah. great. It captures that whole. Yeah, you talked about singing at the birthday party. It was uh, what an incredible place that was. If anybody ever sees pictures of that place, I mean, it was just incredible, like built-in amphitheater. Yeah, I mean, it, just, was, it was set up almost a like better, a mini stadium, right? Yeah, yeah you can you can have a big, you know, I you know, I may never get to play the Gorge or Red Rocks, but I mean that that <laughs> that that one that that backdrop's gonna be tough to beat. I'm telling you. So, sounds like you get other songs canned. How many songs have you really written over COVID? Was it really motivating for you because of the time? And then how do you really choose outside of having a love song that Brittany said you yeah. have on there? Yeah. yeah. And is there a, a, like, okay, we're going to put 14 on here, or is it just you feel what that right number is? How does that work? Yeah, I think there's, Brittany will probably chime in on this too. Um, but to me, there's always a flow to the songs. You know, I don't really, not yet at least, I've never sat down and wrote like a concept album where I knew what I wanted the theme to be, so to speak, going song by song. Um, I know in today's times, it's very, again, instant gratification people just want that one song and they don't listen to albums from start to finish but i still am a really firm believer in what it takes to put together an album and what that album sounds like unshuffled from start to finish like you know you never shuffle a pink floyd album it wouldn't make any sense you know i mean there's there's spaces in between tracks that have melodies in it and if you listen to it uh, brothers osborne just did it with uh that was it port saint joe album that i just love too um but I, t- I love the flow to an album. And so that really takes us the most time is picking our tracks, like what makes the most sense sequentially and what does it feel like? And then from there, then we go like, okay, what are we naming this album? And the small town truth really came off of a line out of damn sure for me. And then knowing what truth was is how we came up with the black and white concept, you know, because true truth is black and white. There's no in between. And so, you know, on, the, on our 12 inch vinyl that we put out, the vinyl itself is white, you know, and if you get the CD, the CD's white and the rest of it's all black and white uh, cover art and stuff like that. So that's what made the most sense to us. Uh, I don't really like, I don't know if I ever will name an album after a song. <laughs> I 
I remember there was something with, I think you it was, did, yeah, right? I was going to, yeah, yeah, I was going to, and I was like, I'll do it. And then I, no bullshit. I watched the Keith Urban interview Yeah. and Keith Urban says like, I feel when you name an album after a certain song, it like, it, it takes away from the other tracks on the album. It's almost implying that that's the most important song on the album. And people just focus on that one thing. And I was like, that makes a lot of damn sense. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not naming my albums after well, a certain song. A lot of sense. <laughs> it does. Because right. that's what you want to hear. It's always oh, my title track. This is the title track. You know, right. it's like, man, no pun intended for where we're sitting right now. But, you know, I am a fan of the B-sides, you know. So, it's, you know, the tracks <laughs> that never good. make it to the album, you know, those, right. sometimes those are my absolute favorite tracks. Like, why is this not on the radio or why? Why don't they play this song in concert even? I admire the grind. And it seems like every artist is always trying to figure it out. Right. Like you're in it. There's no cheat sheet. There's no. You might have a, a mentor, maybe, but it seems like most artists like yourself are, you just figure it out, right? Yeah. And that's Stacy's spirit. Uh, sounds like Brittany and your spirit as an artist yeah. is just do it. You're going to fall, pick yourself back up, and you keep on going. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Be authentic Absolutely. to yourself. Do you yeah. find that, you know, everything Andy just kind of mentioned, do you think it'd be easier if you were somewhere like in Nashville or where more country artists, like where there was a hub of country artists or potential more opportunity or, you know, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So I think there's always opportunity everywhere. Um, we kind of touched on earlier about playing to a full room or, or small room, you know, with a couple of people you don't think are listening, but they might be. So it only takes that one person. And that's what I've always had in my mind where, maybe that guy or gal that's sitting there not paying attention to me is listening to something different and you don't know who they know. Right. But as far as being up here in the Pacific Northwest vice, you know, right now, or have not been in Nashville playing music is, you know, one advantage I have up here is, you know, I'm, I'm a big fish in a small pond, you know, so I'm able to really capitalize on this region and really get out there and build my fan base. And then you go down to somewhere like Nashville or Austin and these areas you know, you're a small fish in a very big pond and there's a lot of talent down there. It doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have the chops to go toe to toe with them. It's just, it's a different realm. And I think how I've chosen to build our foundation is really, I want to have my fan base here. I never, I would never want to just run to Nashville or go somewhere and then come back home and nobody knows who the hell I am. Um, Cause I've seen that happen with a lot of people. They just go, oh, he's going to be a big star. He's taking off, you know, you know, because I always saying, when are you going to Nashville? When are you going to Nashville? You know what I mean? People go to Nashville, never come back, but they also sometimes, a lot of times, never make it either. That that sounds just like Joel Gibson Jr. to me. That once and, (laughs) you know, loyal to his hometown. And that's a country (laughs) song right there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the word authentic comes to mind, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Authentic to yourself. That's the thing. We, we don't talk about it. We be about it. We've been very, very, I can't say it enough, so fortunate right out the gate for people to get behind us and really spread the word, you know, including you guys. Talking about just promotion and marketing, what are your plans to continue to promote small town truth? Um, I'd really like to, I mean, I'm at a point right now where I'm currently um, looking to hire a team. I'm ready to branch out. I need to delegate a little bit. You know, I've, I've got so much coming in all at once from just photography to videography to web design to merchandise to the bookings, the emails, the accounting, all of that. I mean, it's just 
I don't want to say it's so much. I can definitely handle it, but it would be so much. It would be so great if I could start delegating myself in other directions move for us to move forward and start putting some of this stuff into the hands of others. So I'm currently working on actually getting a better uh, team member to work on our social media and the platforms and the promoting and stuff. Cause really it's about learning how to do it. You know, if I knew how to do it like a lot more, you know, or the best way to do it, I mean, I'd be doing it, but we're, it's been a, you know, I mean, we haven't been doing this this long. And so it's kind of like this, this little, you know, we're going, we're chugging along, we're chugging along, we're chugging along, but there's so much stuff in this industry that you have to like build up to before you can do some of the other stuff. And I feel like we're just right now completed that first little hump and now we're ready to fully promote and get going and get out there and do all that. But with that comes hiring a team. And so that is what I'm currently working on right now. So that's, I'm hoping uh, we'll get a whole lot more promotion out there soon. So yeah, having having the foundation and, you know, 31 songs, you know, available streaming original music that we wrote, you know, having that as our foundation and, you know, our promotions really the shows, you know, doing 150 plus shows a year while working a full-time job, you know, it's really incredible. Again, it's, it's the put up or shut up, you know, step up or step aside kind of mentality where it's, you know, we want it, you know, and I'm willing to work for it to get it, you know, but no excuses also in between. Well, and it helps that we have a great time doing it. I mean, we love doing what we do. I mean, we have so much fun, like, I mean, I get to dance with a bunch, you know, a bunch of friends that teach me new line dances. And I, I just love being interactive with like the fans and, you know, we're, we're very approachable. We'll talk to everybody that wants to talk to us, you know, as long as, as long as I'm not rapping chords and, you know, getting our sound gear out, but, you know, we just have a great time. And so it really makes it easy to just get out there and, and, and do it. Yeah. 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 Our early motto was, you know, we're gonna keep doing it till it's not fun anymore or people stop showing up. I mean, it's, it's, the first two rules and we just live by that mm-hmm. to this day so but, yeah it kind of sounds like you're at the point where one plus one having one more person to help you Brittany is equals way more than two right because oh, yeah. <laughs> they can focus on one thing and you can focus more on the bigger picture the strategy well, it's been harder here again going back to like COVID restrictions and stuff because it's only been up until recently that you know we've been right. really strict here and so as much as we've been wanting to do it so- sooner, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for us where we currently are. But now it's like, okay, finally we're back to somewhat normal. Like, yeah, a lot of states. Now it's time know, to start grinding in this direction. So, yeah, a lot of states weren't booking out of state artists, you know, especially not independent artists and stuff. So, you know, it took a while. And Arizona was the first one we were able to really book, you know, a series of shows, which we're going down uh, spring break. So it's the uh, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth. We'll be playing down in the Phoenix, the greater Phoenix area. Um, so that's our first time going down there. Two of them will be full band and two of them will be solo acoustic with me. So I'm looking forward to spreading the, all the music down there and hopefully, hopefully help grow the fan base a little bit. Nice. Absolutely. What, besides the, your Arizona trip, what's next for you, Joel? Uh, our motto this year, I think we said is full throttle, especially now that the, <laughs> the floodgates open, you know, we're going taking no prisoners kind of thing. So we're still booking really heavily. We've been able to jump on the fair and festival circuit this year. So that's been great. We've got, we were, we were able to go to a fair association uh, convention and play for a bunch of them too, which got us a bunch of shows. So getting on that circuit is going to be really beneficial to putting us in front of people to headline, you know, to open up for headliners and things of that nature. So that's, that's the direction we're really pushing right now is to become that go-to 
opener for the headliners when they come to this area, you know, and so that that's what we're pushing for right now and rate and radio support as far as um, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily on air radio because it's really difficult to get on a lot of the commercial size one like right now, but just the promotion of them hiring us for their their things that they do and so. So that all just started this year. And so we're really running, we're really excited about the summer. We have a bunch of fairs and festivals that we're going to be posting soon. So, so we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to run that and have a good time with that too. So yeah, and hopefully get, get out more yeah. out, out of state more. Yeah. yeah. And we are working to go for full time. That's currently yeah. what we're doing is we're putting in a lot of hard work right now. So we can try and just do this full time and just really get out and travel and, and get to other farther out, farther out, Nashville and, and back to South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah. You're doing That's the damn great. thing. You're doing the damn <laughs> doing thing. It. And doing it. representing the PNW all along the way. I'm sure they're so excited to see you, have you, promote you and your biggest cheerleaders. And where can everybody find you, Joel, in your music? So we're on all major streaming platforms, so you know, your Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Amazon, Prime, YouTube, of course, uh, websites, joelgibsonjuniormusic.com. It's got our calendar on there. Uh, our merchandise, our shop is all on there, too. And then actually Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Say it. TikTok, Say it. if you want to laugh at us <laughs> trying to do it. But <laughs> uh, no. hey, uh, I can't hey, laugh at you. We did pretty good at the on 316. We did the beer crashing thing like Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that that one's doing pretty well for us. So oh, good. I didn't see know. that one actually. <laughs> you did? Oh, I gotta go check it out. I didn't see it. I, did, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh well, everyone go check them out. And you gotta check out their merch too. The music's amazing, yep. but the brand merch your branding, great. your website, uh, and your merch is um really, really good stuff. I love the patch on your hat, how it has you know, the state of Washington, but it's got, I, I love that stuff like that. Brittany raised yeah. her hand. I feel like that might've been yeah. her idea. Pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind of came you. up with it. We came up with a J because I, I live in Western Washington. So if you look at Western Washington, yeah. it's like a J if you split it out. So I was like, if we just fill in yeah. the rest of Joel Gibson Jr. on it, turn it into the whole state. I love you know, that. It's kind of a, it wasn't meant to be a flex. Like I'm taking over the whole state, but you know, it's, <laughs> you know, we're putting the work in. Maybe it'll happen. That's right. Know. You're going to take over the country. What are you talking about? It's not just one state. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Joel and Brittany, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Love learning more about your, your journey. We're, we're cheering you on and can't wait to see you perform in person sometime soon. Best of luck to you. Yeah, thank you all. Thanks, guys. Thank it's so you. good to see you guys. Yeah, you too. Right. Okay. Thanks for listening to the B-Side Podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated. 